What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Dance, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. We have a very special recurring guest, the man who made all this possible, our boss man, Joe Caparoso. Joe, what's up? Stephen, what's up? Is up? I'm happy to be back. I'm trying to remember what we were talking about the last time I was on, and if we were more optimistic or happier than we were this time now. <laughs> right now exactly it was before the season and i was uh i was actually calling you out joe on your on your newfound optimism which uh which is is different but, you know <laughs> here we are you know uh three and ten i don't want to uh dwell too much on, on what was the saints game uh we can rehash that all night but uh we don't have to do that but joe at the same time i know you just did a badlands which was uh i really enjoyed this morning listening to that with you and connor kind of going 30 minutes on zach wilson so um if i could ask you to kind of expand on that a little bit but just really simple if i were to ask you one thing that has you encouraged about zach wilson going into next year but one thing that also has you worried what would you say your answer would be i mean worried is the consistency of the misses in the short to intermediate game. There's every single game. There is two or three throws that everyone understandably at this point kind of rallies around as being like, how could this guy miss this throw? You know, he one hopped the swing pass to Berrios. He misses that one in the flat to Griffin last week. There were other misses as well. Um, he also hasn't been able to stack positive games. So I think a lot of us thought after the Tennessee game, you know, he'd come out, and take advantage of a, an okay, at best, Atlanta defense. And that was a step back. Then he gets hurt. I thought was good against Philadelphia, better than he got credit for. And then the Saints game, even with all the horrible context around it, with how bad the supporting cast was, was a step back. You know, encouraged the ability to create off script and outside of the pocket at such a high level so fast is encouraging. Saw that most acutely in the Titans game, with some of the big plays there. And saw it a little bit last week, even too, when they had the one drive, when they were going before the half before Mims got 11 straight penalties, there was a couple plays outside the pocket. So I, I think holistically, it's been a bad eight games. I don't, th- I can't think anyone would think they'd honestly be like, yeah, he's met my expectations. I'm happy with what I've seen for these eight games. But what I think is being overlooked by some is that there has been some positive. It hasn't been eight totally miserable, disastrous games. The Saints game, Easy one to hammer on, tough defense, no one to throw to. Um, it was just – it was not a recipe for a young quarterback to play well, but there was the Titans game. There was the first half against the Eagles. There was a second half against the Panthers. Now, a lot of these are halves, not games, but it hasn't been just eight games of, you know, 10 for 25 for 100 yards with two picks and something like that. So he needs to improve over the final four games for probably the fan base's collective sanity. And he will be the quarterback next year, no matter what. I think so. I think people do need to come to terms with that. But it's been it's been disappointing, and it's of course disappointing that he missed time. I think we'd be all feeling a lot better if he had four more games under his belt. The stats would look a little more even, and there's probably one or two other moments or games in there we feel good about. Yeah, I want to pose this question to both of you, and I think it's just because of how the NFL has changed, especially with rookie quarterbacks. We've seen a lot of success, you know, with Joe Burrow, with Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, and some other guys. Do you think if Zach came into the league, let's just say like mid to late early 2000s, don't you think this perception would be a little bit different? Because a lot of times rookies were sitting and they like if they started from the beginning, you know, the ex- expectations were super low. Like you could go back to a guy like Troy Aikman, who was like awful his rookie season. They went one in 15 and like he threw like a million interceptions. Obviously, Peyton Manning had the record and up until Jameis Winston broke it. Do you guys think that we'd be looking at this a little bit differently? It's just because 
we're seeing Justin Herbert look like a top five quarterback in year two? Like, I feel like, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think the answer is yes. And I think, uh, you know, it was a, a few months ago where Mark Sanchez kind of alluded to that and said that, you know, Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco kind of changed that narrative. And then you, you had that, those guys kind of see success in their first year. And then Sanchez comes in and while he didn't, he wasn't a world beater. He still made the AFC championship in his first two seasons. Then you got Russell Wilson and guys like that. So it kind of set the bar higher. Uh, and there really was this, uh, this plan for young guys to come in and start right away and sink or swim regardless of that. Whereas, you know, if this were 20 years ago in the early two thousands, I mean, the plan, what, look at our own Chad Pennington. I mean, sat for, for two years before he finally got a chance to start. So I think that used to be the plan. Now it's like, get them in, let them take their lumps you know, let them sink or swim and see how they go. But then there's also this just pressure, especially with the Jets, where you have a decade full of ineptitude, where one shining light was a year where they missed the playoffs by a game. The the, the fan base has grown so impatient with it that it's putting unfair pressure on Zach. And I, I think, Joe, you know, you alluded to it today on Badlands, too, where and, and rightfully so. But we're seeing this is the fourth year where we're just seeing this. Uh, incompetent quarterback play and it was three years of Sam Darnold and whether it's right or not you can't fault the fans for feeling that way and get a little bit impatient because this is really year four of kind of taking these lumps with rookie quarterback not setting his feet and not using his eyes and doing all this stuff that we just hope would be fixed by this time yeah I mean look it's been a full four-year cycle now of sort of watching a young quarterback struggle Uh, and it's of course different for Darnold in year three and Zach in year one and Herbert is an historic outlier and we'll go down mm-hmm. as an historic liar, but you also have Burrow who um, is especially really coming along here in year two still has his turnovers, but it, you know, is leading a team that is in the playoff hunt. I think every jet fan would sign up to be, you know, the Bengals next year uh, if they could be, but still you're seeing Lawrence, you're seeing field struggle. They don't seem to be getting quite as much heat as Zach fair or unfair. Zach comes with a much less polished college resume. And I think even coming in, it was like, okay, this is the standard guy who had the one big year at the small school that will get overdrafted. Whereas with Lawrence and Fields, they were very well-known like college superstars who were assumed top three picks since the time they went into college, basically. So in in some ways, it's more surprising they're struggling this much. But I think people are more content to just be like, they're in a bad situation. They'll be fine. With the Jets, it's like, oh, he's in the Jets. This is just an extension of Darnold and this guy – already had sort of a questionable shaky resume coming out. So of course he's struggling and those questions aren't going to go away. I mean, the fan base is at a different, we're at a different level of this playoff drought. Now It's one thing when it's like four or five years, one thing, even when it's like seven, eight years now that it's 11 years and it team, the team does not look remotely close to even competing for a playoff spot. You're, you're sort of deep in that, you know, Browns, Bills were in this territory for a while too until they finally broke through where the patience is, is truly gone and you cannot blame the fan base for it, uh, even if it doesn't always make sense or isn't always that logical. And we had the, you got to be patient with the GM, which ended up being a mistake that they gave McCadden that that many years. It caused a lot of damage that they're still working out of. But with a quarterback, he, you have to at least give him two full seasons. Usually you want to give him three full seasons. If it's this time next year and Zach is this bad, they'll move on after two years. And if that's the case, Joe Douglas is going to get fired and probably Robert Sala is going to get fired. Uh, and they'll probably just start fresh, which is very depressing to think about at this stage of year one. Now, if Zach can show incremental progress and next year is an actual step in the right direction, kind of similar to what we got from Darnold, like he'll get that third year. The question is going to be, does he fall off a cliff in the third year uh, or does he keep building on it? There's still a lot 
to be done this year. Four games is a lot. You know, it's used to be a fourth of a season. It's still about a fourth of a season. It's a tough but interesting slate where you're playing basically the best team, arguably in football, two teams statistically who are middle of the road in the Dolphins bills are seven and six and six and seven, but divisional opponents. And then the worst team arguably in football and the Jaguars. So over that spread of four games, can there be that sort of signature win, signature performance? Can you get a division win finally against Miami when you're a 10-point underdog? Can you play really well in that game? Can they avoid the embarrassment of losing to Jacksonville at home, which would be pretty disastrous, as disastrous as it gets for a 3-10 and 10 team? And then, you know, for that Bucks and Bills games, you're going to be 14, 15-point underdogs. But can you hang around? Can you score some points? Can you, you know, move the ball up and down the field? And over the last four games, could Zach throw eight or nine touchdowns and only three or four interceptions and have a 300-yard game in there? Uh, that type of movement, I think, changes this narrative a lot. I think it's particularly raw right now because that Saints game was just such an ugly game overall, not just for Zach, but for the entire team. And I think for fans after how long this wait has been and after this offseason to watch a December game, totally empty stadium, playing a team that is really beat up and is not what they used to be and seeing, you know, Montgomery dropping passes and P Ryan playing running back and the quarterback missing passes while the defense is just kind of like laying down and dying in the second half. It was like, felt like a very like Gase era, Cotite era game. And I, and I think that frustration bubbled over. And it's a shame because, you know, they beat, they found a way to come back and beat the Texans. They started so well, especially offensively against the Eagles, but the defense just torpedoed what could have been that momentum because that could have been something to really build on, scoring a touchdown on the first three offensive drives. And the team's just not complete enough or there yet to do that. Yeah. I think you've just hit on a lot of good points. And for me, like, Yes, I want the quarterback to look good. I want Zach to look like the guy that we're going to, you know, rally around for, you know, five to 10 years. But my thing is just the lack of competing that's bothering me. And Joe, I know you've been saying this for so long. It's like, we don't want to play four foot football. And I know I made a comparison that people didn't like saying that, like, look at the Ravens. They have a lot of injuries. If it's like, yeah, like we're not as talented as them, even like when we were healthy, like how they are now. But it's like, you could still put effort coaching that plays a lot into it. I don't think the Patriots have the most talented roster. They have some good players, but I don't think their skill position players are like significantly better than the jets when they're, when the jets are healthy. Cause obviously we don't have more Corey Davis right now, but it's like, you have to show some fight. And I, Joe, I know you were concerned when you went to the, the Pats game in new England, cause you felt like it was just dead. Do you, are you still worried about Salah? Like, do you feel like, you know, he may not be the guy to me. I'm like, give him a little more time. I think he has the right mentality and people inside the building. Like if you talk to anyone, Everyone likes him. Everyone respects him. It doesn't seem like he's like, there's a locker room issue. I just think they need more talent. And we all know that. And Joe Douglas is going to spend money because they have a lot of cap space. It's going up. And Woody's going to be like, you need to spend money because we cannot have a crappy team on the field. Yeah, I mean, look, the the jury is still going to be out on Salah. I think, again, he will get a full second year. And he'll probably bring back his full staff for the most part. I don't expect, you know, the fire Ulbrich or, or maybe, maybe make a couple minor tweaks, but it, it's going to be interesting to see if they can avoid being non-competitive in year two. Uh, can they go eight, nine? Can they hang around most of these games? I think 
there's going to be question, you know, marks about him until they could really string together a few weeks of maybe not winning games, but of being competitive. And it's tough when fair or unfair, when you come from a defensive background and you have the worst defense in the NFL and a historically bad defense. And a lot of that is talent. Some of that is being stubborn with the scheme. It's a mix of different factors. I think it's been I think some of the game management stuff has improved, which is encouraging. I think he picked a good offensive coordinator, which is very encouraging. The, the lack of competitiveness, especially on the defensive side of the football is, is concerning. And it's concerning. Like Zach is concerning. It doesn't mean that he's going to get fired in two weeks. Doesn't mean he's going to get fired after the season, even if they lose out and lose every game by 20 points, but he'll, he'll go into next season likely on a hotter seat than anybody expected. Right. I, I think you would have said that no matter what, this guy has at least three full years. Now, if the Jets are three and 10 at this time next year, and it's a comparable team, I think a full reset would be on the table, which is disappointing because now it's almost like everything is moved back to year where you were kind of hoping this year could be the seven and 10 signs of heading in the right direction season. And then you could really take a leap next year. Whereas this year is probably going like four and 13. And now you're hoping just to get to seven and 10 next year which really isn't good enough, but would likely buy everyone another year to get over the top. Because at a certain point, it's like how many three or four year rebuilds do, do we really need to work through? Either you got, ultimately, you're ultimately going to be the guys or you aren't the guys. And you still got a lot to prove, just like Wilson has a lot to prove, just like Joe Douglas has a lot to prove. All three of these guys, I, I don't think anyone should be out on them. I also don't think anyone should be sold on them that they are hundred percent the answers. And I, the only one I see that with is Douglas where I think I, I can't consent or agree that he's been stellar or good at his job or great. Like that's not the answer yet. I'm not saying he's been terrible. I'm not saying he's McCagnan or Idzik, but it's an incomplete grade. And at, it is an oversimplification, but at a certain point you still are what your record says you are. And if they are three and 10 at this time next year, they should have no problem firing him because I mean, how many years does it take at a certain point? Yeah, no, but, I have points. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, when it comes to Douglas, I think a lot of the quote unquote grading gets uh, muddied a little bit because, excuse me, because of the reputation that he has and how he's thought of in league circles. But if you were going to give him a grade, he's been okay. Um, he's made some good moves. He's made some not go, not so good moves. He's also left moves on the table and just not done anything that I think a lot of people are, rightfully so upset about um, when you think about Salah, I'm still a believer. And Joe, I think you're absolutely right. You know, and he gets, again, he gets a longer leash than Adam Gase does just simply because he's a rookie head coach. We knew what Adam Gase was for three years in Miami. So we were all upset when that hire was made simply because we knew what it was. I think the one thing that really it does concern me, but I think that everything about Robert Salah says he's self-reflective enough to correct this is what Joe pointed out was that he's stubborn with his defensive scheme. And that's something that we did see from Adam Gase, where he didn't care who he had because he thought his system trumped the talent and he would continuously try to fit square pegs and round holes. You're kind of seeing that with Salah here. And I think his reluctance to insert himself in the defensive meetings and defensive schemes, we don't know what's happened. We're not there, but it seems like he still hasn't. Hopefully he takes a long look in the mirror after this season and, and course corrects. Um, and that'll tell us a lot about who he is as a person, who he is as a coach. So the jury's still out, but I think, you know, Joe hit the nail on the head there with if, if this team looks exactly like it does right now, 
a year from now, we're, you know, we're in for a whole different story. But um, Joe, I'll move on to the next question, man. I know you, you kind of mentioned it, that none of us wanted to be at this point here in this season. We hope that Stephen makes jokes about being in the hunt graphic, at least at least more competitive than we were. But we do have to kind of fast forward to looking at the offseason now. So as we look at it, and I know you're not, you know, Connor, when it comes to players, but if we were to look at the, the 2022 Jets plan and you take your highest needs for this entire roster, how would you kind of allocate what you go aggressively after in free agency versus where you kind of allocate those positions in the, with the first four picks that we should hope fall in that 40 to 45 range? What I'm guessing the approach is going to be, and generally actually what I think it should be too, is I think in free agency, you'll, you aggressively attack tight end. You would attack the secondary and adding some veterans there. Um, you probably had a veteran linebacker to compliment CJ Mosley. My guess is the draft, those early premium picks, whether they stay put trade back will be used for an edge rusher. will probably be used for an offensive lineman. Maybe for the right player, if things break right for a wide receiver, I still think it's more likely they go wide receiver in the second round. That seems to be a recurring trend through two years for Joe Douglas. Um, and I think those high second round picks is where you could, that's where maybe you see, you see receiver or corner to, you know, to further round things out. I think day three, more depth, more competition at tight end, uh, more depth, more competition on the offensive line. And again, you got to use that, veteran trade option, which hasn't really been used yet. I don't understand why fans get so like antsy about that, but it is okay to diversify in how you build your roster. So can you use a second or third round pick to go get a surefire veteran to fill one of these holes and add a little proven competence to your roster to complement whatever you do in free agency, uh, whenever you do in the draft. Again, if you ask me today, it's probably edge rusher, offensive line, or edge rusher, wide receiver in round one. Uh, and then from there, I could, again, see them, if they don't go receiver early, I could see them taking one in round two. I think even if they add a tight end in free agency, they go get a guy like Dalton Schultz or something. They have to add a, a young developmental one in the middle rounds and you know keep adding to that offensive line. There's some questions that still have to be answered there. Uh, is Morgan Moses going to come back? What do they get out of Mekhi Becton next year? What is the answer long-term at right guard? Uh, what's going to happen with Connor McGovern? I know there's a, a lot of variance of opinions on him and, you know, is he coming back or not? There's a lot of question marks there still. And defensively, you kind of need everything still in some ways. Uh, you need more on the edge, even if Carl, even if and when Carl lost his back, he'll be back, but, you know, it's going to take time for him to get back to himself. And they need two, two new safeties, ultimately. I, I don't think anyone on the roster is really the guy right now. So they're going to have to do a lot. You can't just do that all through the draft. You have to take some swings in free agency. I don't have a perfect name on the trade market, but guys will come available. And you got to like seek out what those options could be. As much as I hate McCagnan, hated McCagnan's tenure, the trade for Brandon Marshall was a good trade. Even if it didn't work out in 2016, getting him for a fifth rounder and getting the best receiver a Jets season has ever had, like, it was worth it. You would do that trade 10 out of 10 times. So if you could find something like that, that helps Zach Wilson so much, because Joe Douglas needs Zach Wilson to be good next year. Because if he's not, and Zach Wilson isn't the guy, then Joe Douglas is gone. Like, that's his entire legacy. He's the second overall pick. Uh, no one's going to care that he signed Javelin Gidry and Bryce Huff as undrafted free agents if he doesn't fix quarterback and the Jets are 5-12 and 12 next year. So 
you got to do it all. You got to be really aggressive. I think they have to be, and will be pushed to be more aggressive than they've been because the fan base just cannot stomach another totally uncompetitive product. And you can't do another year running back the we're the youngest roster in the NFL excuse. You played that card this year and that, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steven. No, I was just going to say, you've already used that card, but Steven, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, we've all been pretty vocal about now's the time, uh, and this is the offseason, to really marry those two um, philosophies that, you know, typical GMs have, either, you know, go aggressive in free agency or build through the draft. And I think Joe Douglas has to show, and Woody Johnson will have to show, that he's got to open up the checkbook a little bit and go aggressively. And Joe, you know, you mentioned McKagan, but as bad as it was, at least he took some swings. So you mentioned Brandon Marshall. I mean, even the, the trade for Coletio Semele was a good one when he made it. You know, he needed to rebuild that offensive line. So at least he took that swing. Um, yeah, it didn't work out. But do those types of things. You have so much draft capital. You have the money to spend. you got to take those uh, those swings when they come available because this uh, it's going to be a make-or-break moment in 22 for, for Joe Douglas. Yeah, definitely. So, Joe, I think we have to transition to one of the more polarizing players on the team right now. It was the man that everyone was arguing about. It looks like Joe just doesn't want to talk about this guy, but Denzel Mims. And our guy. I think I think it's per- perfectly safe to say that this experiment, the, the plug needs to be pulled. It's just we were all clamoring for him playing time. We're like, he's big, he's a second rounder, he's fast. But it just seems like it. he doesn't know how to be a professional football player. He's getting boneheaded penalties. He's not making any opportunity. He's not making anything with his opportunities. What do you have, that one catch against Carolina? And everyone's like, oh, he needs to be starting. Joe, are you done with him? Do you think we need to ship him off for like a six-round pick in the offseason? I'm just done with him. As someone who defended him for a very long time. Um, I don't know if you'd even get a six-round pick back from him at this point. <laughs> I, I defended him too. Look, I, I really liked what I saw from him his rookie year. I mean, if you go back and watch the tape from the Patriots game with Flacco, the Chargers game with Flacco, um, he, he played pretty well and he had some nice moments. And there was every reason to be encouraged by him going into year two. Clearly had an offseason from hell with food poisoning, didn't mesh with the coaching staff, he dealt with COVID, and he's just looked lost when he's out there. I mean, the, the penalties, uh, the drops, uh, it truly feels like a season from hell. And Mims was not someone who was, like, overdrafted or was, like, controversial where he was taken. Like, I think most people felt good about the value there. And a lot yeah. of people that we respect a lot who really focus on breaking down receivers. Like, this guy's a good breakout candidate to watch in year two and – you know, sometimes things just happen and it just that transition, that sophomore leap doesn't happen. It seems like this coaching staff is is out on him. He will continue to get more opportunities these next couple of weeks until Moore's back, uh, just because there's nobody else to run out there. But man, like I would not wager on him to have any significant role on the team next year. And I don't think they'll treat the offseason like he will. They're gonna they're gonna have to do work there because Crowder's a free agent, Cole's a free agent, Berrios is a free agent. You can't count on Mims for anything. You have to hope you get a better Corey Davis, healthy Corey Davis. You know what Elijah Moore is going to be a focal point of the offense. Get back soon, please. And then you got to keep adding around that. You know, I think of those guys who are free agents, you probably get one of the three of them back, maybe at, at best. And you got to just keep building depth so you're not in a situation like you were this past week, where even if Zach played a little better, he didn't really have a chance. Now getting Michael Carter back and as ridiculous as it sounds, getting Tyler Croft back will help as some of these outlets and like, <laughs> like tertiary options to throw the ball to. But with Mims, it's been a, it's been a bummer. And it's, there was a lot of variables with the jets this year and things they needed to break right to be closer to 500. 
And if you would have told all of us that you're getting total zeros from Becton and Mims this year, I think we would have said, man, I'm not picking them to go seven and 10. There probably will be four and 13. And you got a zero from Becton, you get a zero from Mims, you get a zero from Lamarcus Joyner, you get a zero from Carl Lawson. Corey Davis is inconsistent when he plays and injured. There just wasn't enough depth or coaching experience to overcome that range of problems with the roster. Yeah, it's it's been frustrating for sure. And Becton's really the guy that we all were clinging out hope to be on a lost season last year. You know, he flashed a lot, especially in the run game. And we basically saw half of him. And it's just been like, oh, yeah, he's coming back. He's coming back. Oh, he's not ready. He's not ready. Like, Joe, I know you were kind of like talking to us about it. You're like, you feel like they're just I feel like they're not telling the truth about his injury. Like, I think it really was season ending. And they just were like, oh, no, it's not. I just think I don't like that. And I just. Yeah, which is, which is dumb because it gets the fan base that, you know, that much angrier. And um, it's been a weird, it's been a weird bad. I mean, we've been saying this a lot. It's been a weird bad year. They've definitely had bad injury luck. I don't, I don't want to think that we're not cognizant of that, but at the end of the day, like injuries happen in the NFL and they don't want to hear that excuse. And just like fans, I don't want to hear the, how did you expect Joe Douglas to get anyone in free agency? Because why would they want to come here? Well, they're coming here because you pay them and because, that's Joe Douglas's job. Otherwise, why can't any of us be GM? Like his job is to figure it out. And yeah. if he can't figure it out, then why is he the GM? So and trade for people. You said that on Bad yeah. Lunch. Like literally trade mm-hmm. for people, make them come here. That's and what they, don't, they don't have a choice. But it, it's been look, it, this is in being through this for an eternity. This is the time of the season where everyone's sort of at their their breaking point and everyone's ready to do what we do best, which is you know, do the off-season coverage, which is really the main event. Uh, for the Jets, which is a shame because I, I, I again, I'm not generally an optimistic person when it comes to this team. Uh, I thought they would be better than they were right now. Now, again, if you told me all these injuries, yes, my record prediction wouldn't have changed. I wouldn't have predicted the 21 point loss at home to the Saints, the 50 point loss to the Pats, the 40 point loss to the Bills. That's what's been disappointing. And Zach's been a little underwhelming. So that are, are underwhelming. And that's what really is driving fans, you know, crazy a little crazy i think right now which is normal this time of year for them (laughs) so joe i want to go back to zach wilson real quick and ask you one last question on this so i think we mentioned that we're all kind of jaded from the sam experiment and what happened i think you could make an argument that sam probably looked better in year one uh than he did in in year three and maybe even year two uh and that was with you know excuse me todd bowles and jeremy bates but Clearly, once Adam Gase came, it didn't work for, for Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold just may not be the answer. But when you look at Zach Wilson and the development after, after year one here, do you have confidence in him and in the staff to fix some of these missteps and to see if the, and actually get it right in year two and beyond? Um, look, I think he will absolutely be better next year than he was this year. The question will be, will it be better enough and fast enough to time with this team getting better and with the general patience around the organization. I felt good about him coming back from injury and honestly, like sluggish start against the Texans, but the stretch of the second half in Houston and the first half of Philly was the guy I expected to see. So we've seen it like half the time through three games since he's been back. I think he will be better next week. I think he will be good or better against Jacksonville. And I, th- I do think we'll see year three of him ultimately. Now, I don't know. He might end up being Sam Darnold year three. I can't tell you that he's the franchise quarterback. I can't say that with any confidence. I can say that I think he'll do enough, is my prediction, to be the quarterback in, into year three. 
Uh, I don't think anything drastic is going to change that unless he gets hurt or really closes the year really ugly. And I think he'll close the year. Okay. Good. Not great. Um, have some okay moments. It'll be the starter next year in a different situation with maybe a more well-rounded roster. But if you ask me today, I'd say we'll get to at least seeing him in year three. I can't predict anything further than that. Does the staff now give you much more confidence than Gase and Dowell, or does that not play too much into your? I mean, it does. I mean, I definitely like that they were proactive in bringing Beck in. I like Lafleur a lot. Uh, I, I really do. I think he's done a great job this year after a tough start. Uh, and the rest of the staff, from everything we've seen offensively, seems fine. Now, how long could they keep that group intact around Zach? I think will be important. But I, I don't have a problem with their offensive coaching staff. Yeah, I think. Their, pro- their problem is like it's like a boat with all these different like holes opening at like different times and water spouting out. They can never get everyone playing concurrently well at once. They can never get all the receivers healthy and playing well at the same time. There's always like two or three people either out or playing poorly. And it just it didn't click at all in year one. I would think it should be a little better in year two. I just don't know if it's going to be better enough. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So, Joe, we obviously teased this to you before the show, and it's a, it's stealing from Bill Simmons, but since you both are parents, and actually your youngest, it's his first birthday today. You need a little parent corner story. I feel like you got to share something. I'm sure you, have, you got plenty for us. Yes. Uh, today's Luca's first birthday. My, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, JJ and Luca. So we, the big birthday plans were that we went to the American Dream Mall, which is connected to MetLife Stadium, Beautiful and beautiful East Rutherford to go to Legoland and the aquarium. Now, the nice thing was in these times that it was a Wednesday morning at the mall. So it's totally empty. Really, the only people there are the only people like at these like different random exhibits. <laughs> so we had a very big morning of sitting in a 4D Lego movie that both kids got scared of within like 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> my youngest eating a bunch of small Lego pieces. So we had to like kind of get out of there. And the aquarium actually ended up being nice. They both liked the aquarium a lot. Got a lot of face pressed up against the glass. And of course, had a little, like any Jersey family, had a little uh, Annie Ann's pretzels on the way out and then oh. came back and, and got back to work. And then we, we just went out with uh, my parents for pizza. So a good first birthday, successful first birthday for Luca. JJ didn't take any of his uh, toys or beat him up too much. So I, I can't complain. I think we, we pulled it off pretty good. <laughs> that was a good one but uh I hopefully he could still fit into the soprano ones that we got him when he was first born probably <laughs> not busted out of it very quickly <laughs> <laughs> joe i know you gotta run but uh everybody if you don't already make sure you join badlands it's the best uh premium jets content you'll get on the internet you know you get joe's podcast with connor twice a week you get joe's uh 12 pack which is my favorite thing and then connor's film breakdowns on thursday and also tap RM if you want to get free $50 off your first order of $100 or more. Why not? You get beer, you can get seltzer, you can get anything you want. Joe, give them your favorite beer real quick before you go. God, they um, – that's so tough. I got to, like, look in my, like, fridge right now. See how I saw something like oh, There we go. Look at this. This one's good. This sort of, like, hazy, hazy pale ale. I've been, I've been mixing through a few there, so there's a little – peek in the fridge but yes promo code jets 50 good job promoting the sponsor we love to get that involved yeah we always uh, try to (laughs) um, thank you guys for having me and and keep it cranking along yeah thanks for joining joe it's good talking with you yeah so steven before we jump into game picks just some thoughts on this jets dolphin game i need your parent corner story real quick 
<laughs> oh boy. I mean, Joe alluded to it. My kids are a little bit older, so I have three. Uh, they're seven. Uh, my son is seven and I have two daughters. They're five and three. So uh, just tonight, actually, when you're obviously when you're a parent, you know, your time isn't your own. Uh, but my wife, it was my, my mother-in-law's birthday. So my wife and sister took her out to dinner. So I was flying solo and I had my daughters, both my daughters had gymnastics. So I was single dad, all three kids. Jack, my son is pitching the entire time about having to go to gymnastics practice to watch his sisters. Meanwhile, I'm getting back at him saying, are you kidding me? Like they go to your soccer and baseball games and never, you know, that, you know, never say a word about it, but you have to complain about this. And so we go there and I'm trying to, you know, it's in this like rundown mall that we have to go to. So I'm trying to wrangle all three. We go to gymnastics, we leave there. I got a Walmart pickup that I got to get before running home to, to get on the show. But before I have to do that, I got to get all three kids to bed. So certainly they're upstairs right now, just running amok all of them. Uh, but hopefully I was just expecting one of them to run in uh, into the show as I was on here. But it's just it's a never ending uh, fiasco, never ending stories, man. It's, it's, it's crazy all the time. It's complete chaos, but it's fun. And uh, that's why we do it, man. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot. My my schedule is full always. That's I, just how I literally thought that one of them came into the room mid show because there was a point actually when your video was off and I was like, yeah. one of the kids bothering Steve. That was, that was actually my wife coming home from dinner who forgot her keys. So I had to run up quick and let her in the door. Okay. Uh, but Hey, that's sweet. Well, <laughs> we keep for the viewers on, man. for the viewers on YouTube. That explains <laughs> that as that's something you'll notice earlier in the show, but um, there we go. You probably heard the dog bark too at the doorbell, which was surprise, exactly surprisingly no, but okay, someone's good. dog was barking on a work call today. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, there is a game on Sunday, although there my, is. my interest is waning in these, this team. I'm like very close to just like not wanting to watch it because I'm like, I just don't want to be disappointed. I was so disappointed this past weekend, like after that Saints game, especially seeing Taysom Hill just take that last touchdown, the team just quitting, took a nap. It was like, <laughs> I can't watch football in the early four o'clock window. And then I remember I just put on like the late games and I, I saw like the Bucks game, which was a great game. And obviously the, the Bengals game, which was awesome too. And I'm like, oh, this is what football and it's fun is like. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's a division game. They're always closer than they should be, which is why the Jets have a chance. I mean, they, they're an NFL team. They should have a chance every week. I don't think they're going to win. I think Miami's been a very hot team, which could be, you know, they're due to actually lose because they've won so many games in a row. Obviously, after a 1-7 start. Um, I think their defense has been playing phenomenal. And I think too, has been playing really solid football as someone who hasn't been much of a fan of his, but I got to give him credit. I think he's playing pretty well. I mean, not like outstanding or anything, but he's doing what he needs to do to win games. I mean, it, it speaks for itself considering how many games they won in a row, which I think they've won five in a row or yeah, five in a row, they're six and seven, but I think Zach will play better. I do. I, I know I'm like this person who keeps saying it's going to happen every week. I mean, there's been moments when he's actually delivered and looked pretty good. It's just like, I like when I watch him play and I see what he's doing, I think he's overthinking a lot. And I think he's maybe he's going to settle down a little bit this week. I think he's going to hit the throws. I think he's eventually going to correct the stuff that's frustrating everybody just missing screen passes, which is like super, super difficult to do. Cause like, I feel like you and I could hit some of these screen passes. He's missing. It's just like a lob pass. It's like, yeah. okay. Um, but I'm going to say Dolphins 20, Jets 17. So closer game, but I do think they end up losing it. And I think they bounce back when they play Jacksonville next week. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you're right. It's um, It definitely took the wind out of your sails a little bit with that Saints game. Because I think that, you know, 
you think before the season and you're like, okay, well, whether you pick them to go three and 14 or seven and 10, you knew that there were going to be those, uh, those games in the middle of the season or, you know, at any point during the season where they just didn't show up. And just because you're expecting them to happen in August doesn't mean that they're any easier to any easier of a pill to swallow come, you know, December when it happens. Um, I think it's definitely tougher when you don't have guys like Elijah Moore out there to kind of at least give you some hope and some excitement on offense. And when that's coupled with, you know, not having Michael Carter and Corey Davis, who's a part of this team for the future going down, it, it definitely, it's harder to watch. And, you know, I know Daniel Jeremiah said it, um, you know, uh, Connor touched on it today on, on Badlands. Um, you know, when you, when you start with your rookie quarterback and it's like, running back drop, no one open, no one open, running back drop, running back drop, you know, bubble screen or something, whatever that was. It's like, that's no way to get your young quarterback in a groove. So the outlook I think is bleak, but I do think it, it gets better here. Um, so I've said this like a million times doing these predictions for no reason at all. I really, I, I think the Jets are going to win. I have no idea why. I just think they're due. And honestly, I think it has more to do with the Dolphins because even though they've won five in a row, they just, they simply don't impress me. And I don't think, like the Saints last week, you look at them, well, they can do on offense, they could do one thing really well, which is run the ball, especially with, you know, three-fingered Taysom Hill back there. And that goes as simple as it sounds, that goes right against the Jets' weakness, which is defending the run. The Dolphins' offense just simply doesn't impress me that much. And I just don't think – I don't think they have it to where they can fully take advantage of how bad this Jets' defense is. I may be 100% wrong, but – I'm going to say the Jets go down to Miami and they win this game 21-17. I think the return, of, the return of Michael Carter is big. I think Zach bounces back. Um, and I think you see the Jets get a division win on the road 21-17 at Miami. And if I could, man, I, I think even beyond these predictions, we should unpack the Zach Wilson talk a little bit more if, if you know, just a, a few minutes here. But I feel like I'm kind of being talked into being down on Zach Wilson. And I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet. Right. Like, yeah. you, you know, the, the Solak article that you shared today. Um, even talk with Joe, like, yeah, it is concerning when you, when you take a look at it, like he really hasn't put together a full game, a full good game, even Philadelphia, probably his best game wasn't a full good game. It was a really good half and an okay second half, but I still, I'm just not ready to be like down and out on him. And I really don't think when I look holistically at it, that it's been that bad. I think there's been a couple of good games, a few mech games and a couple of bad ones. And I'm not even ready to say that this Saints game was truly bad for Zach. He was turnover free, but he got no help at all. Keelan Cole, as, as big of a supporter as I've been, he was asleep for that entire game. Jamison Crowder offered no help. They're trotting out DJ Montgomery, who had like four drops in a row at the end there. Denzel Mims, as you guys mentioned earlier in the show, is non-existent. Ty Johnson dropped every pass thrown to him. I mean, what is the kid supposed to do? So while I don't want to make excuses and say, well, the talent's surrounding him, blah, blah, blah. We, we've, we've seen that movie before. I just, I'm not ready to be just completely down and out on Zach. I still have faith. And even in these last four games, as much of a gauntlet as it may seem outside of that Jacksonville game, I still think he's got a chance to turn it around. And this could be one where it starts to look positive and the trajectory kind of changes as we go into 2022. That's my piece. Yeah. I mean, as someone who was like really excited about him and like was just ready and felt like he was going to be really pretty successful as a rookie, not saying he's going to light the world on fire, but like I've been disappointed. I'm not saying like I, I he hasn't been good like he's had a few moments which have been exciting I mean when you see him throw the ball you could see he has a crazy arm like one of the strongest arms a Jets quarterback has ever had that I can remember I mean Gino had a very good arm but like Fitz was not really an arm guy Sam had an okay arm I guess um, Chad had no arm and like 
that's as far as I can remember, just like off the top of my head. And I mean, it's just, it seems like a lot of mental, it seems like his footwork, he's just, he's thinking too much. And I think over time that'll change. I truly think now after seeing what he's been doing and honestly, like it seems like Fields and Lawrence are kind of suffering from the same thing is these guys may just may not have been ready to be day one starters as much as like the rookie contract window is, you know, you got to maximize that and see what you have and try to build around these guys and make sure they hit their ceiling as quickly as possible. But it's, it seems like maybe the Jets should have had a veteran quarterback start maybe for like five games and then hand the reins to Zach. Like he just doesn't seem like he was ready. And I, I didn't think that that was the case. I mean, he seemed like he was pretty ready, but like the same time he did play BYU at BYU. He wasn't playing, you know, Alabama. He wasn't playing, you know, Ohio state. He wasn't playing those types of schools. So the competition was lower. So it's been an adjustment for him, but like, I like Chris Sims. I know people will probably be like, why do you trust that guy's opinion? I mean, I've listened to him before he was NBC when he was at Bleacher Report. I know Connor obviously has really strong feelings for what Chris says. And he, you know, he believes in a lot of the stuff that he talks about, especially with quarterbacks. He literally said that like the, when he was watching the game, like Zach wasn't good, but he's like, there's still things that he does, which obviously someone who's not a quarterback guru, like I'm, I don't know, but he's seeing things that we, they're encouraging and, he says that he's made the most wow throws, you know, of any of these quarterbacks. And it's not even close. And like, listen, I think continuity next year will be good for him. I think these next four games will be pretty big for him. I mean, like, what if he just like we play Tampa? I'm not saying they win, but like, what if he just has like a really good game? I mean, you've seen guys, their defense has been vulnerable because of injuries. I mean, they do have a good pass rush, but their secondary isn't that good. What if he just plays well against Tom Brady? Like that would be really cool. I mean, I'm not saying he will, but it's NFL. Anything's possible. I mean, Davis Mills threw it for like 350 yards and like that guy was like an afterthought. So mm-hmm. I would just say it's been bad. There's no doubt about it. I have friends who are Jets fans who text me like this guy stinks. Let's just get rid of him. I'm like, I can't just like, it hasn't been a full 16 starts or 17 starts. Now that there's an extra game. It's like, you got to give him a chance. Like if we just bailed on everything, you never would know. I mean, there's a million guys who go elsewhere and end up being pretty good. I mean, like, Rich Gannon's a guy who didn't work in his early stop. And then he really developed later on in his career. It's just, I'm not, I'm not going to give up on the guy just yet. It's just, I think it's just yeah. irresponsible to do so. And I think just give it time. And like the Jets are going to give him a better roster. Year, there's no doubt in my mind, whether their draft is good. I don't know, but they know they're going to spend money on guys for proven NFL commodities. I know that for a fact, because there's pressure. The fans yeah. are getting tired and I'm one of those fans getting tired. So you've got to get some players on the field who can actually perform. No, I agree. And uh, I think you bring up a lot of good points. And I think, you know, Chris Sims, um, yeah, I, I agree with him too. And I like hearing that, you know, the, the caveat is he kind of also said that stuff about Sam Darnold too. So, I mean, you know. No, he didn't guys, like Sam Darnold. That's the thing. He, he didn't. I, I remember him being on Badlands with Joe and uh, maybe it wasn't Badlands, but it was, it was Joe and Connor with Chris Sims and him saying that, uh, or maybe it was Adam Gase. I don't know. We can go further. Oh, no, he liked Adam Gase. That like, you, I think I, I stand corrected. He liked Adam Gase. You're, you're right. Um, but when you look at uh, when you look at Zach Wilson, and I agree with you, I really, I guess, and I don't want to be, I don't want to look through my Jets goggles here, which I, I've I've been accused of before. But I just don't think the bad has been like that bad. I don't think it's been like historically bad. I think it's been typical rookie stuff. And I think you can look at that through the same lens as you know the not being able to put together a full game. Well, when he's having a bad half. He kind of makes up for that and has a good half and, you know, in the second half. So the one bad game you can really point to is that first New England game. That was 100 percent 
all on him. Everything else, there's been some mistakes, but there's been some wow moments. He, you know, he scratched and clawed his way back against Carolina. He did the same thing against Atlanta. He managed the game okay against against Houston and, and got them to a win. And again, that Saints game, I just still don't think that it was that bad. Did he miss some throws? Absolutely. Did he not get any help? Absolutely. But I still think he made some throws and made some plays. So I'm not I'll never be all out on a guy. I just think the impatience of the of the fan base with this franchise has grown so thin that we're just ready to cut bait and say, you know what, screw this. Let's go get a veteran or something like that. But I'm just I'm not ready to be out on Zach. And I feel like I'm kind of being talked into it where I'm more middle of the road. I wish he's looked better. I wish he would come and have an end of the season like like Sam Darnold did. Uh, in 2018, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying for that. I don't know if it'll come, but that will give me more confidence, especially with the staff they have around them and the more continuity, like you just mentioned, going into 2022, that they can actually build around him and make it work. Yeah, I just think it's a lot of years of frustration and confidence that we're all just really taking out on, you know, Fala, Zach, Joe Douglas. And I get it. I understand that. But you can't just give up on any, everything that doesn't work. We live in a world where everyone wants instant gratification in life. And it just, you can't do that. It's just, things take time. And he's, you know, he's still a rookie. If he's 22 years old, like it's hard to play quarterback in the NFL. There's guys who really don't show up until, you know, two, three years in. I mean, did anyone ever think Josh Allen would be as good as he is right now in his rookie season? I'm not saying Zach is going to take that kind of leap at some point, but Josh Allen is pretty bad as a rookie. Granted, the Bills had a good defense, so that was something that at least helped him in year two when they got a little bit better. But he wasn't good, and Lamar was okay. But like, it's just give it time. That's that's all I can that's say. It. Like, let's like maybe Zach's gonna be like a Derek Carr next year. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a starting quarterback. It's good. We need that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. Sorry, yeah, that's our piece on, just, on Zach Wilson following up from our, our conversation with Joe there. But uh, yeah, yeah, just, I had to unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I just I just think everyone needs to calm down a little bit. Listen, I being a te- fan of this team sucks. I, there's just really no way around it. <laughs> it's sometimes I truth. wish I wasn't, but this is who I like. It's who I'll always root for, and just, you got to be patient. I mean, it's – I understand the frustration about that. But, All um, these times are going to make it feel that much sweeter when we exactly like you know whenever that green confetti is falling down and they're playing like we are the champions or trophies by Drake like that's just going to be the best feeling mm-hmm. ever like just there it is you're not gonna, because we, you're not because gonna, we went through this struggle right now that's why exactly nothing in life is ever worth it unless you had to work for it and See? you know it's just like if the team was winning every year you'd be like oh whatever (laughs) i never Uh, never want i would give anything to be that spoiled of a fan to like scoff at another division championship at a playoff loss yeah yeah (laughs) the jets win the afc oh my gosh the city explode (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah we appreciate everybody who's been tuning in obviously you know it's been i guess 32 episodes now which is crazy uh don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel youtube.com slash turn the jets tv don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed for our show, Will's TOJ pod and the draft season pod, which is definitely going to be heating up a lot. The guys are cranking out good content. Can you do know the guys you need to know who could be potential targets for the jets in the draft next year? I think you guys will definitely enjoy the stuff from the four guys. It's been fun. Um, and just, we appreciate everybody. We will be taking a little bit of a break once the season concludes. Um, but we know we will always be back for you guys. It's been such a fun experience for Steven and I, and we really,